<laughs> I disappeared into the back. I had to ask somebody where I could go to relieve myself. And then I got there and it was this giant tree. Hey everyone, welcome to What in the World. My name is Jake Lee. I am your host for this podcast and this is episode 14. In this episode, we're going to be continuing a conversation we started last time with Steve and Gina as they're trying to discern and take the next step forward on this journey of ending up in South Sudan. And so this one is going to be a lot about continuing that journey, trying to discern what God is having next for them. But before we dive into that, first, I just want to share what is the purpose of this podcast? This podcast is all about sharing what God is doing both here and far. That means all around the globe and right here in the Milwaukee area for where I am recording my part of the podcast. But yeah, we are entering into the Christmas season. It's a time of year where we get to focus on the fact that Jesus came down to earth as a human, that he was Emmanuel, God with us, and humble himself. And that is the message that we get to be part of spreading all across the globe, that Jesus came and died for us. So my hope for anyone listening to this podcast is that this could be a time and a season where you could draw closer to God and really reflect on the fact that God came as a human baby, that God humbled himself. But before we dive into the rest of the story with Steve and Gina, I first wanted to share a little cultural blunder story with you. So even while I've been putting together this podcast, I've been trying to collect stories uh, when other people obviously have uh, made slip ups, said things they shouldn't, done things they shouldn't have done, or forgot to do something they should have done. And it's been really fun for me to do that, but it's been forcing me to obviously contact people about my own life and the many blunders I have made because we are all imperfect. As we seek to love God and love others, we are going to make a ton of mistakes. And one of the funnier texts I received while doing this, I asked a friend who, we've been friends for a while and we've spent a lot of time together. Um, we're from different cultures, obviously. And I asked him if I had made any cultural blunders, basically. And he was very kind and said, actually, you're very humble, you're a learner. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And then he stopped and went, but uh, the hug was awkward <laughs> because I used to hug a lot. And it was funny because as someone who is supposed to be this, you know, cultured person and able to adapt to different cultures, I went around just giving people hugs, which even if you're not from a different culture, that can be a very awkward thing. And I just found that kind of funny that I would hug everyone. And obviously some people are uncomfortable with that. In some cultures, that's not a proper display of affection. It's not a common thing. And I just really thought it was funny how he said, oh, you're so good at this. But yeah, the hug was awkward. So that is my short cultural blunder story this week, how I hugged when I should have not hugged. So basically now you guys, well, for you, Steve, over the next like decade, God slowly work on your heart. Gina, mm -hmm. at this point, it sounds like you already kind of feel called. Was that correct or no at this point? Mm, I think I... And I, I won't say I felt called. Yeah, be, I, I'll be careful with that word. That's yeah, I still, highly interested. I had a great heart for South Sudan. The Lord just gave me that. That was just something that was there from Him, and so I always had an interest in it. But 
uh, I think one of those trips over, whether it was with Hazel or the time before, Steve and I were sitting in that little airplane and talking about could we see ourselves coming back to serve in South Sudan and raising a family there. And we both agreed we just couldn't see raising a family there Mm. at that time. That was still uh, before their independence. They were still battling with the North, but uh, it wasn't an environment where we really could see ourselves uh, raising a family well. Um, So it was always there in the back of my heart, but I really never had this sense that we're for sure going to end up back here. Hmm. In fact, in 2007, Steve and I had talked about missions before, and Steve had been here on staff working when uh, Dr. David Casali was here for, at Elmbrook for a time too, and they had uh, built a good friendship, and they prayed together regularly. Uh, and so, the prayer room down there, every week we'd meet for prayer, yeah. So we talked about it and decided that, hey, why don't we go over with this short-term team that's going over and explore possibly uh, looking at going in uh, to ministry there with David and Casuera. So we prayed about that a lot before we went, and we went with the short-term team that went over. Uh, I was six months pregnant with our last born when we went. We went on a construction team. That was interesting. Uh, But (laughs) Steve did a lot of good hard work. (laughs) (laughs) And we had a great trip over there. It was uh, a good team to go on. It was great to see what God was doing there. Um, But we came back after that trip and prayed about it. And um, both of us, we just didn't sense that that was what the Lord was calling us to. So... That was a really big disappointment for me. Um, mm. I just remember we had prayed for unity, and I'm so grateful God gave us that unity that we both did agree. But I was a little bit heartbroken that mm-hmm. here our our children were young. It seemed like the great time to go. And the Lord said, no, this is not what I have for you. So, um, yeah, after that... Um, I kind of just thought, well, maybe the Lord's just not calling us to mission because humanly speaking, this seemed like the great spot. We had relationships. It's a wonderful ministry. Um, So it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So I kind of put it on the back burner for a while, just thinking, okay, the Lord just wants us to stay and invest where we are here. And that's what we'll do. So one thing Gina mentioned that she was six months pregnant with who would become our last born. And uh, we were going from Benny down to, I think, Butembo, where there was uh, a Catholic school. And so we were going to explore the possibility would that Catholic school be an option for our kids maybe. And so on the way, you know, when you're pregnant, nature calls. And uh, you guys are missing from the audio side the visual of <laughs> Gina's face as she looks at Steve right now. All of these stories are always about me. Well, you can tell them about me too. I don't care. So she, so we had a driver who was driving us in the car down to Butembo, and she said, "Hey guys, I need to stop for a quick break." And so she asked the driver, "Hey, is there anywhere where there's facilities available?" And he said, "Oh yes, I think up here there's a place." So we stopped, and Gina went. She disappeared. I disappeared into the back. I had to ask somebody where I could go to relieve myself. And then I got there and it was this giant tree. 
and you went <laughs> inside the tree uh, to to use the bathroom. So I got in the tree inside this massive tree trunk and you can't see anything hardly, but it's all roots. And so I'm trying to figure out there were there were two sides to it and I couldn't figure out where I was actually supposed to go. So I went in and I <laughs> did what I needed to do. And then as I was stepping out, the entire floor of that tree gave away and everything <laughs> went crashing down like 10 feet. Oh no. And Thankfully, so the driver and I are out in the car talking, or talking, <laughs> no. talking, talking. Thankfully, uh, I was able to get out without any problem, but I couldn't believe how everything had just given way. And so I went back to the car and I said, um, mm-hmm. okay, let's go. We're, I'm ready. And they just kept talking and talking and talking. And I was just envisioning what might happen and how much your... Uh, show out in the middle of nowhere might cost if the large white woman just destroyed it. <laughs> Wait, so literally the floor just completely gave out yeah. 10 feet down. Yes. That's terrifying if you had been standing I there. I know. It's terrifying. <laughs> it was. Thankfully, uh, the Lord's protection was on me there too. <laughs> and did you eventually move before they came running out to come get you? Yes. We made it. <laughs> We finally, I finally got them to stop talking. <laughs> I sense this is a common problem, Steve. <laughs> this is a problem. <laughs> oh, you guys are hilarious. So basically, okay, you guys have had these multiple times that you've been able to go to Sudan, get to know people, develop relationships, like, but you're sensing this unified idea of not being called. Like God's not calling you to move your family there to relocate. And for Gina, for you that you said that was disappointing because your kids' age it seemed like an optimal time where to raise a family somewhere else. But then as the years progress, and some people would say, Oh, you see a lot of missionaries come off of the field or field workers come off the field as their kids enter their teenage years, you guys actually something started changing in 2015. Help us understand. What what was happening in 2015, I guess? Okay. So Gina has this long history with uh, Christian Veterinary Mission. It's a mission agency headquartered out of Seattle, and the whole focus is to engage veterinarians in mission around the world. And I'll let her tell more about that. However, uh, we were um, able to connect with Dr. Fred Van Gorkum uh, in the fall of 2015. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he said, hey, and Fred had tried uh, at least a few other times prior to get us to think about uh, going overseas to different locations, and especially Africa, because that's where Fred had served overseas in missions. And he said, guys, there's this opportunity. It's in Tarit, South Sudan, and they're going to focus on relational discipleship, uh, veterinary medicine, and agriculture. He said, you really need to check it out. And we thought, wow. That just kind of fits who we are to a T because um, I've always been, and Gina, together, we are very uh, interested in believing that the relational disciple-making is uh, a great way to see people uh, come to Christ, mature in Christ, and Mm -hmm. then go and help others do likewise. And so this is our preferred means of doing ministry. And so to hear that that was going to be the focus of the team and kind of the core of the mission for that team was very intriguing to us. And then to include two other things that we love so much. Uh, for me, the, the kind of the plant side of agriculture, and for Gina, the animal side of agriculture. 
And so we uh, got the contact information. This was a team that was with African Inland Mission, or AIM. And we called the team leader who at some point later, uh, a few months later, was here home on furlough. It's not easy to contact people at that time, especially maybe so much in South Sudan. But uh, we, when he was on furlough in Canada with his family, we called uh, Jordan up and said, Hey, Jordan, uh, we want to explore you know, what it might be like to come and to serve with you on your team there. And if that might be a possibility. First of all, Jordan, can you please tell us what, what is it like living in Tarit? And he says, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Honesty. Yeah, so, you know, nobody was trying to sugarcoat this deal. Um, but we kept talking, kept communicating, and um, finally we were able to go on because of the generosity of so many people who uh, believed in us. Uh, I said, let us, uh, we're going to go over and check it out. One of the reasons we decided we were going to go over and check it out was we had been talking to our kids and praying about uh, the possibility of going. And our one of our children, one time when we were sitting around the table talking about it, said, well, is there a McDonald's? Because if there's not a McDonald's, we're not going. <laughs> so Steve and I kind of had been talking about, should we try to take the kids over? Uh, and then we just looked at each other and said, yes, we need to go. <laughs> so that they had all the information they need. <laughs> to be part of the decision. So you have to tell me now, is there a McDonald's? <laughs> there are no McDonald's in sub-Saharan Africa. <laughs> so I, I think I think uh, <laughs> along the Mediterranean, there might be at least a small handful of McDonald's, but sure. uh, anywhere south of Sahara, nothing. Have any fast food restaurants broken into that area or no? Yeah, in Nairobi now, they have Burger King and Hardee's and KFC and Pizza Hut and maybe probably some others, Subway. Okay. You know, I think I thought it was an interesting question be, from my kids because they had seen pictures of Pochala, they had seen pictures from South Sudan before, and okay, there's nothing that looks even remotely like a fast food place or anything in the whole country. <laughs> so it was just a very interesting question of I think that even though you see pictures and people talk about it, until they actually had the chance to see with their own eyes, they just couldn't put themselves in that place and understand what yeah. it might be like. Well, it's such a different environment than, I mean, those of us living here, for anyone listening, most of us, I would imagine, are in America. How do you put yourself in something that's so different culturally, economically, and just lifestyle-wise? The way you live life is so different. It's hard to fathom it unless you've walked it. Mm-hmm. So we made the trip over, and then we came back, and uh, we told our kids we're going to take 40 days to pray and do some fasting and to say, Lord, is this your will and your plan for our lives? And so we did that, and at the end of 40 days, um, and we you know, included the kids the whole time, and um, Gene and I told them, kids, we believe God is calling us to go. God is calling us to go. I love that. And it wasn't a decision that was made hastily. It was a decision that was made after many years, actually, not just the 40 days of prayer, which for honestly, most of us don't actually commit to doing that, even though we should. But you're talking decades of trying things out, of thinking, should I do this, of seeking God, of seeking counsel of others. 
which we're going to talk about that even in next episode. Once they do make this decision, they take counsel and ask others advice. Is this a wise move? And so I just love the attitude of humility that Steve and Gina have when it comes to making this decision for them and their family. And I also find it so fascinating how God basically closed the door and said, not yet, when they felt it was the correct time to go, especially for Gina. Like when you're looking at family and when makes the most sense to go, God said no at that time, but then opened a door later when many people maybe would say, this isn't the best time to go when your kids are this age. And for me, their obedience to walk when God tells them to is something that we should seek to model. Uh, it's something we saw in the see, it's something we see in the Bible. Like, I am supposed to wait on God, and when God says go, I go. And the reality is, as Westerners and as Americans, we are very individualistic and do not do this very well. We want to worry all about me and what I want and my plan and my strategy, rather than waiting and then moving when God says move. And so I just love this part of the story and I'm really excited to wrap up their story in our next episode. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Um, We get to hear about chickens. Uh, In this episode, we got to hear about uh, toilet collapsing. So yeah, I think you'll enjoy what happens with the chickens as well. Once again, I will talk to you guys next time. And this has been another episode of What in the World.